0: The Grotto, written by Mike Tucker, read by Sophie Aldred. Ace took a deep breath and gazed from where she stood on the roof of Macy's department store out across the snowy streets of New York. To her immense satisfaction, the city looked exactly as she had hoped it would, A forest of towering skyscrapers and skinny tenement buildings, lights blazing from every window, wide avenues stretching out in a neatly ordered grid, echoing with the sound of police sirens. A few blocks away, the lights from Times Square flashed and oscillated in a seemingly never-ending sequence, and the illuminated spire of the Empire State Building lit up the low clouds that hung around it like a shroud. The entire city was blanketed in a thick carpet of snow, and great mounds of slush and ice were piled on the pavements. Or rather, the sidewalks, Ace mentally corrected herself. She was impressed. If this much snow had fallen on London, the entire place would have ground to a halt. Although, come to think of it, if only a few millimetres of snow fell on London, it would still likely grind to a halt.' She watched a couple emerge from a bar on the street below, then hurry off into the freezing night, coats and scarves pulled tight. Huge clouds of white steam billowed from vents in the glistening streets. Ace grinned. It was just like she'd seen in the movies. Cautiously, she peered a little further out over the edge of the roof, craning her neck to see if there actually were any cops eating doughnuts on the street corners. "'Ace!' The Doctor's voice rang out from the other side of the roof. Be careful. I'm only looking, Professor. Ace hopped down from the parapet and glanced across to where the Doctor was hunched over a large grey metal shape, prodding and poking at it with the tip of his umbrella. A gust of icy wind swirled across the roof. Pulling her bomber jacket tight round her, Ace trudged towards him, "'taking a childish satisfaction in the crunching, squeaking sound "'that her footfalls made in the snow. "'She looked over the doctor's shoulder at the thing he was studying. "'It's an escape pod, isn't it?' "'Yes.' "'The doctor didn't look up. "'Well, that's good then, isn't it? "'I mean, good that something escaped.' "'Possibly.' "'Ace rolled her eyes. "'The doctor was obviously in one of those moods "'where he was going to be mysterious.' They had been in orbit round Earth when they had first detected the spacecraft. The Doctor had set his hearts on showing Ace the Aurora Borealis from space, so had materialised the TARDIS in hover mode over the Northern Hemisphere, promising Ace the best Christmas-like display of her life. Then he had opened up the scanner screen and turned the TARDIS receivers into an American radio station that was playing nothing but Christmas music. He and Ace spent a few happy minutes bopping around the console room and watching the incredible display of shifting, shimmering lights wrapping round the planet below. Ace should have guessed it would be too good to last. It was the Doctor who had first spotted the spacecraft, an arrow of silver amid the swirling colours. Darting to the console, he had trained the scanner on the mysterious vessel, and he and Ace had watched as it arced towards the surface of Earth. His face had turned grim. They're not going to like that down there, are they? Leaning forward over the console, he had tuned the TARDIS receivers into a different frequency. The festive songs were replaced by the sound of the North American Aerospace Defense Command. As they listened, American voices began light-heartedly joking about Santa being early, but their tone soon changed to one of horror as the realisation of an actual alien incursion hit home. Ace had closed her eyes when the order to fire missiles had come. She had then despaired at her species when the whoops and cheers that confirmed a direct hit echoed around the TARDIS console room. The Doctor had leaped into action, tracking the path of the stricken spacecraft and sending the TARDIS spinning after it. That had been ten minutes ago, and now the only thing left of the alien spacecraft was this escape pod, crashed on the roof of Macy's. A sudden thought struck Ace, Hey, Professor, why didn't it smash right through the roof? Because of these. The doctor tapped the curved metal veins protruding from one side of the pod. Gravitational dampeners. They created an inverse gravity spiral, slowing the pod's descent from orbit, whereas these... He tapped another series of odd-looking protuberances, created a jamming shield so that no one could track its trajectory. He looked smug. No one who isn't me, that is. So the people who shot it down don't know that it's here, no. Which just leaves us with one question. Ace looked around the empty expanse of the roof. Where is our survivor? The doctor turned and pointed at a series of large footprints in the snow, decidedly inhuman footprints. Shall we go and find out? he asked with a small smile. Ace and the Doctor followed the trail of footprints through a jumble of air conditioners and satellite dishes. The trail ended at a fire exit, where the thick metal door had been ripped from its hinges. Something tells me that our survivor might not be all that friendly, Professor, said Ace, nervously peering through the open doorway and into the darkened stairwell beyond. The Doctor frowned. Let's not be hasty, Ace. They might just have wanted to get out of the cold. He ran his hand across one of the deep gashes in the metal door. Let's not assume the worst until... Before the doctor could finish his sentence, a blood-curdling howl rang out from the lightless stairwell. The howl was followed almost immediately by a terrified scream, a couple of gunshots, and then silence. Ace turned to the doctor with a sigh. Until it actually happens... The Doctor and Ace crept slowly down the dark stairwell, trying to make as little sound as possible on the metal treads. Since the scream, there had been nothing but silence from below. They reached a landing and found yet another door ripped from its hinges. Keeping Ace behind him, the Doctor peered cautiously into the space beyond. Can you see anything? whispered Ace. It's difficult to see, but it looks like we're in... His voice trailed off as he stepped through the doorway. A forest. Eh? Puzzled, Ace hurried after the doctor, then stopped in astonishment. He was right. It was a forest. Row upon row of trees stretched off in every direction. As her eyes became accustomed to the low light, Ace realised that they were artificial trees— their plastic boughs festooned with every type of ornament imaginable. Ace had never seen so many Christmas trees in one place. Wicked! As she moved forward to get a closer look, the toe of her boot knocked against something small and metallic. She looked down. Bullet casings next to a dark patch of something else. Blood. Doctor... The doctor came to her side and stooped down to examine it more closely. Is it... Human? The doctor picked up a plastic name tag from the floor, the ID for a security firm. The laminated plastic encased the photo of a young fair-haired man. The doctor read out the name. Harvey Mika. Why is it doing this? Ace felt a sudden ripple of anger. Whatever this creature is, it must be intelligent. Why is it being so aggressive? I'm not sure, but... Aha! Something else had caught the doctor's eye, a glint of burnished metal half buried in the artificial snow that carpeted the floor. He snatched it up, brushing off the plastic flakes and examining it intently. His face fell. Oh, no! What's wrong, Professor? The doctor held out the object for Ace to see. It was a slim curve of what looked like silver metal, its surface etched with a tracery of delicate patterns. Thin wires and tiny connectors hung from one side, the ends tinged with dark fluid. Ace looked at the doctor quizzically. Is it an implant of some kind? Very good, the doctor nodded approvingly. A neural inhibitor, to be exact, a behaviour modifier, he sighed. Oh, I had my suspicions as to what we were chasing, and this confirms it. Ace waited for the doctor to go on. And, she prompted, it's a stellagrat, a predator from the forest world of Velt. Savage, ruthless, an efficient hunter. He looked around the darkened store nervously. It's operating on its most basic instinct, to find warmth, shelter, he glanced down at the picture on the ID card. And food. Ace shook her head. I don't get it. The implant and the escape pod are both pretty sophisticated pieces of technology for a forest hunter. The doctor sighed. Oh, the Stella the are an artificially enhanced species. Their planet was an important staging post in an interstellar war between the Elean and the Krin. The Kryn forces were badly depleted, so their scientists took animals from the jungles of Velt and turned them into bionic weapons, using implants and surgery to bring their minds up to a point where they could be useful as soldiers, but retain their hunting instincts and savagery. But the implant has been busted, Ace indicated the sliver of metal in the doctor's hand. Yes, a lucky shot from Mr. Mika, most likely. "'So the Stellagrat has reverted to its natural state?' "'The doctor nodded. "'Yes, a hunter.' "'He peered through the artificial forest. "'And in here it will have a distinct advantage. "'Well, if we can't reason with it, "'we're just going to have to capture it, aren't we? "'A place like this is bound to have a sports section. "'We could get ourselves some hockey nets or something.' "'Ace's face lit up. "'Hey, I might even find myself a new baseball bat.' No, 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 the doctor waggled his hands at Ace in irritation. Trying to take on a stellograt in single combat is an appallingly dangerous idea. Then what are we going to do, Professor? We can't just leave it here. Someone else is going to get hurt. The doctor thought for a moment, then spoke quietly. We need a way of confusing and disorientating it. Ace snorted. Confuse and disorientate it, right. Why don't you just talk to it? That should do the job. Ace. The doctor's tone left her in no doubt that he wasn't in the mood for levity. Then what are we going to do? I'm thinking. The doctor turned slowly in a circle, tapping the handle of his umbrella against his lips. Suddenly, his eyes widened as he spotted something. Aha! The very thing. He set off through the artificial trees. Ace hurried after him. When she caught up with him, he was standing in front of a large store map, which was bolted to the wall next to the elevators. That's what we're after! He stabbed the tip of his umbrella at the map. Ace squinted at the words he was pointing at. The perfume department? Yes, Ace frowned. Hardly the time to do your Christmas shopping, Professor. The doctor leaned close and whispered conspiratorially. The Stellagrat has a highly developed sense of smell, which it uses to hunt its prey. If we can overload that sense of smell. You want to throw stink bombs at it? Ace was incredulous. Exactly. The doctor beamed at her. Now, I want you to go down to the perfume department and grab as many bottles as you can carry. Hang on a minute, Professor. Are you sure that splitting up is the right thing to do? I don't have time to argue with you, Ace snapped the doctor. I'll see if I can track the creature to its lair. I'll meet you back here in ten minutes. Ace nodded. All right, whatever you say. And Ace, he fixed her with a steely glare. Be careful. No stupid risks. Ace grinned at him. Of course not. She ran off towards the escalators. The doctor watched as she vanished into the darkness. I'll be taking enough of those myself, he muttered. Ace bounded down one of the escalators, taking the steps two or three at a time. It was an old-fashioned wooden escalator. She was surprised to see one still in New York's best-known department store. Ace was transported back to her childhood, and memories of riding the clacking, rickety escalators on the London Underground with her grandmother. They had all been replaced in the 1980s after the King's Cross fire. But this wasn't the time to let her mind wander. She needed to concentrate. She would be no help to the doctor if she ran into some trigger-happy security guard and got stuck down here. Refocusing, Ace counted down each landing that she came to. Floor five, floor four, floor three, floor two. She almost missed the floor that she was aiming for, only remembering at the last moment that Americans called the ground floor the first floor. Breathlessly, she emerged into the spacious showroom her nose wrinkling at the smell of hundreds of different kinds of perfume and aftershave. Like the top floor, the entire place was festooned with Christmas decorations. They certainly didn't do anything by halves on this side of the Atlantic. Snatching up a couple of Macy's shopping bags, Ace started grabbing bottle after bottle of perfume from the displays. The doctor made his way cautiously through the forest of artificial trees. After passing through a large section of metallic reds, blues and silvers, the gaudy colours finally gave way, and the doctor found himself surrounded by trees of a more realistic but not quite natural green. He had hoped to have picked up some sign of the Stellagrat by now, but he had underestimated just how extensive the mace's Christmas tree display was. It was the perfect environment for the creature to hide in. He stopped, head cocked to one side listening for any sound of movement. A rhyme popped into his head. "'Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a—' There was a sudden noise a short distance away, the rustle of something moving through the fake trees. Pushing apart the branches in front of him, the doctor stared ahead in disbelief. There was the creature, its large body swathed in a voluminous red cloak trimmed with white fur, the hood pulled up. It had a canvas bag tightly gripped in one enormous paw. As the doctor watched, the stellagrat stopped, letting the bag drop to the floor, and pulled back its hood. The doctor grimaced. Stellagrats could hardly be described as the most attractive species at the best of times, but this was a particularly brutish example. A thick, gorilla-like brow jutted over red-rimmed eyes. Thick folds of grey flesh bristled with coarse hair and rows of razor-sharp teeth gnashed together as the creature tentatively sniffed at the air with a quivering bat-like nose. The doctor looked around for somewhere to hide. Just a short distance away was a cashier counter festooned with tinsel and stuffed animals. He darted forward, ducking behind the wooden desk as the Stellagrat pushed on through the Christmas trees. The doctor held his breath and hunched down among the soft toys. If the creature detected him now, that would be it. But the Stellagrat suddenly gave a grunt of pain, then raised a clawed paw to its head. Peering through the antlers of a large cuddly reindeer, the doctor could see a swathe of raw red flesh glinting on the creature's scalp and the gleam of scarred metal. The unfortunate security guard's shot had clearly impacted directly on the neural inhibitor implant, ripping it free. A combination of that and the trauma of the crash landing had obviously left the creature in a confused and weakened state. As the doctor watched, the Stellagrat snatched up its bag again and shambled off through the trees like some monstrous Santa Claus. The doctor stared after it thoughtfully. Now, just where did you get those clothes? He murmured to himself. He looked back in the direction from which the creature had come, and a sign hanging above the treetops caught his eye. Welcome to Santa Land, it said in bright red type. Come and meet Santa in his grotto. Ah, a grotto, the doctor nodded. Yes, I suppose that would be ideal. Extracting himself from his hiding place, he set off through the artificial forest once more, following a trail of signs designed to build the excitement of children as they drew closer to Santa. Almost there! Can you hear him yet? Have you been naughty or nice? All the signs did now was make the doctor more apprehensive. Abruptly, the doctor found himself in an artificial forest glade. What had once been a neat line of railings, designed to keep children and parents in an orderly line, was now a pile of twisted metal. The bodies of fibreglass elves lay in deep piles of artificial snow, their smiling heads detached by savage blows. On the far side of the clearing, a small cabin constructed from candy canes had been torn open as something large had pushed its way inside. The Doctor hurried across the clearing and peered inside the structure. He had a hunch that the creature might be hiding something rather precious inside its candy cane hideout. He needed to act quickly if he was going to get in and out before the Stellagrat returned. ''Mr. Meeker!'' he hissed into the dark cabin, ''Are you there?'' There was nothing but silence from inside. With a final glance over his shoulder, the doctor clambered into the cabin, pushing aside splintered fibreglass and dangling tinsel. The interior of the cabin was tinged with a musty animal smell, which the doctor was certain was not part of the intended Christmas grotto experience. Walls designed to guide children along a meandering, winding path had been roughly pushed aside to create a long central passageway. Gingerly, the doctor made his way forward, using his umbrella as a support to keep his balance on the uneven floor. The crude tunnel emerged into a chamber festooned with tinsel garlands and dominated by a large golden chair with scarlet upholstery. Slumped next to it was the body of a young man in uniform. The doctor hurried over, placing his umbrella on the floor and taking the young man's pulse. Thankfully, he was alive. "'Mr. Meeker!' The doctor gently shook the young man by the shoulders, wincing as he caught sight of a livid bruise on his forehead. Meeker's eyes fluttered. w what He jerked awake, pulling away from the doctor in panic. "'No! Get away from me!' The doctor quickly clamped his hand across the young man's mouth. "'Quiet, or you're going to get us both killed!' Do you understand? Mika's eyes were wild and frightened, but he nodded slowly. Good. The doctor took his hand away. Who are you? whispered Mika, his voice wavering. And what was that thing? I'm the doctor, and I promise I will explain everything, but right now we need to get away from here as quickly and as quietly as possible. Can you walk? I think so. Good. The doctor snatched up his umbrella. Then follow me. The doctor led the way back through the ragged passageway until they were on the deserted shop floor once more, in the clearing in front of the cabin. He paused for a moment, listening, then turned to the security guard, his face grim. "'From this point on, it is essential that you remain absolutely silent. Okay?' No sooner had the words left his lips than the sound of loud and tuneless singing rang out through the darkness. "'Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride on a one-horse open sleigh!' The doctor spun in horror to see an elderly man in a janitor's coat, emerging through the trees. The doctor waved frantically at him, desperate to attract his attention and make him stop singing. But the man had already stopped. He was staring in amazement at the devastated Christmas grotto. What in the name of... The words died in his throat, as the Stellagrat, still dressed in its Santa robes, burst into the clearing and let out a shattering roar. Ace had almost finished filling her shopping bags with perfume bottles when the roar echoed down the escalators. Even coming from several floors above, the sound of the Stellagrat was terrifyingly loud. Ace went pale. Oh no! Snatching up the bags, she raced for the escalators. The Stellagrat pushed its way back inside the grotto, dragging Mika and the terrified janitor by their clothes, oblivious to their cries of pain as they were hauled roughly over the shattered walls. The creature had slung the doctor under one massive arm, and he hung there like a rag doll in the grip of some huge, fearsome child. "'Please, you must listen to me. I'm here to help you!' The doctor struggled weakly, desperate to make himself understood, but the creature just snarled at him. Lumbering into the chamber where it had made its nest, it dropped the doctor unceremoniously in a heap on the floor and released the two other men. Then it slumped into the ornate chair, glaring at them balefully and sliding its pink tongue over its gleaming teeth. Mika was trying to calm down the almost hysterical janitor. Byron, you've got to stop panicking! Byron was staring with wild eyes at the thing sitting on the chair. But it's a monster, Harvey! A real-life monster! Quiet! Both of you! The Doctor's voice cut across them like a thunderclap. Both men fell silent. The Doctor clambered to his feet, then turned to face the Stellagrat, fixing it with a piercing gaze. Listen to me. His voice was low, hypnotic. Somewhere inside your head is the memory of the intelligence that you once had. You have been in a crash, an accident. Your implant has been damaged. I can fix it. I can help. The doctor slowly withdrew the implant from his jacket pocket, The creature's eyes flicked down and fixed on the gleaming metal. Do you understand anything that I am saying? You need my help. A guttural growl built in the creature's chest and deep slurring words spilled from its lips. I remember. Yes, the doctor's voice was urgent, encouraging. I remember the hunt, the scent of blood, of prey. I remember the forests, the cause of my people. But that was before. Do you remember the war? New life was given to you, new understanding. The creature snarled. "'I remember war and pain and death.' "'It slumped back in the chair. "'But that is all past. "'Now all I feel is cold and tired and—' "'Yes,' the doctor leaned closer. "'What else do you feel?' The creature's huge mouth opened wide in a terrifying smile. Hungry! The doctor stumbled back in horror as enormous paws tipped with razor-sharp claws reached out for him. A familiar voice boomed from the end of the passageway. Professor! Incoming! The doctor barely had time to duck before the first of the perfume bottles crashed into the wall behind him and shattered. As he scrambled out of the way, a barrage of different coloured bottles rained down on the furious Stellagrat. As each one landed and broke, the cramped space filled with an increasingly overpowering scent. The doctor scrabbled for his umbrella, snapping it open as protection against the flying glass and splashing perfume. He could see Mika and Byron cowering in the corner, arms thrown up over their heads. The Stellagrat thrashed and roared, trying to bat away the glass missiles. But Ace's aim was too good, and in seconds the creature was drenched in perfume. The Doctor peered round the edge of his umbrella, desperate to see if his theory had proved correct. But his eyes were starting to stream from the over-perfumed atmosphere. His breath was catching in his throat. He could hear coughs and splutters from Meeker and Byron as they also struggled to breathe. Surely all this must be affecting the Stellagrat too. Almost on cue, the creature's furious roars started to falter. Through watering eyes, the doctor saw it begin to weave and stagger. As yet another perfume bottle smashed against his body, the Stellagrat gave a strangled cry and collapsed with a crash that shook the remaining walls of the grotto. Unsteadily, the doctor crunched his way through the shattered glass that now littered the floor to the corner where Mika and Byron crouched. With the security guard's help, they managed to get the elderly janitor to his feet and out of the suffocating grotto. Ace was standing outside, tossing one remaining bottle of perfume from hand to hand. Did you see that, Professor? Everyone a direct hit, she grinned. I should be playing for the New York Yankees. The doctor coughed, wiping perfume from his hair with a large paisley-patterned handkerchief. I've always been a Brooklyn Cyclones man myself. Ace peered inside the ruined grotto at the unconscious Stellagrad. It worked, then? Yes. The doctor sniffed the reeking handkerchief in distaste and stuffed it back into his pocket. And now we need to get our sleeping friend back to the TARDIS as quickly as possible so that I can reattach the neural inhibitor implant and get him home, Ace frowned. But how on earth are we going to move him? I can probably help with that, Byron shuffled forward nervously. There's a couple of carts in the basement big enough to move that thing he shrugged. It's the least I can do, given that you saved my life. Splendid, said the doctor cheerfully. Perhaps Mr. Meeker can give you a hand. For a moment, the security guard looked as though he was going to argue, but the doctor fixed him with the same piercing stare that he had used on the stellograt. All the questions and uncertainty quickly vanished from Meeker's face. Right you are, doctor. As the two men hurried away to get the trolley, Ace sniffed the doctor's jacket. "'Sorry, Professor, I've made a bit of a mess of your jacket.' "'That's all right, Ace,' the doctor grinned at her. "'I think you'll find that perfume is a very traditional gift at Christmas.'